All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Compound Growth Marketing Show. This week, we have a special episode in store. It's Quincy Johnson and myself, uh, John Short, here. We're going to go through uh, an Ask Me Anything session where Quincy is going to ask me some questions. I'm going to try to answer them, and, and we'll see how it goes. Awesome. So, uh Really, honestly, I don't think I ask you enough questions. So I'm really excited about this this podcast uh, and this episode. Uh, and so, like, why don't we just get started? Um, a lot of the philosophy we have here at CGM um, is based on kind of your experience and like all the rest of the leaders and just this a conglomeration of things that we've seen uh, brand side, um, and then we've seen from an agency. We've kind of built out our philosophy, right? Um, and yep. so, one of the things that keeps coming up, uh, especially as we take on new clients, is this idea of um, properly setting up the marketing funnel, right? Like I feel like a lot of foundational things we do uh, is about setting up the marketing funnel. So how do you properly set up the marketing funnel? Yeah, so there are a couple of ways to think about this. One is like the marketing funnel as in within a session, how a user kind of navigates the site and ends up uh, purchasing or starting a trial or requesting a demo. I don't like to really refer to that as a funnel, like how somebody navigates to the homepage, looks at some product pages, ends up on a demo request page and ends up converting. What I, when I'm thinking about the marketing funnel, I'm thinking about like at a high level, what are the different offers we're looking to drive people on in on? How do they get to those different offers? What's happening after um, they fill out those offers. How does that integrate with the sales team? And so um, <clears throat> when I am thinking about the setup of the different marketing funnels, I'm thinking about the kind of intent and qualification that we can get based off of those. So, you know, the classic examples I go through are the trial leads, demo request leads, and ebook leads. And being able to understand how many leads come in from each of those funnels, what the conversion rate is to marketing qualified lead, which I think is an incredibly important metric, whatever you want to call it, PQL, MQL, XQL, um, whatever you want to call it, then the sales qualified lead and the uh, conversion of the user. So I think about the kind of offers that users come in on. And then I think about those different stages. So <clears throat> we want to use the marketing funnel to signal um, success back to the marketing team so they know where to go out and get more leads. And we also want to use it as a training tool for the sales team. So if we find leads are getting stuck up after the sales accepted stage or after the sales qualified stage, we find that there's really narrow conversions there. It likely means we need to coach or make some adjustments in terms of the number of leads that we're qualifying in each of those places. Perfect, awesome. Um, um, for mar sorry, one more thing. For yeah. marketing feedback. So there's kind of sales feedback, understanding, where leads are getting stuck up, what's happening there. For marketing feedback, 
I always think that MQL is a really important metric because it should signal intent and it should signal match to ICP. And by doing that, it should be able to give marketing really quick feedback as to where the really good leads are coming from. So if they launch a new campaign or they do a one-off co-marketing webinar, they can pretty quickly understand whether or not that was a successful um, campaign to be executing. Um, and so I think that's really important from a marketing funnel standpoint. Sure. And then in that, what, how should teams be thinking about how like how should we as marketers i should say be thinking about setting up goals uh for like those marketing funnels and should we be setting up goals yeah so um yeah so what do you mean by that explain uh what you mean by goals like in terms of the number of marketing qualified leads that are coming in or the conversion rates throughout the funnel um, I think it's a combination of both, actually. Like, should, wh what should we be looking at? Should we be looking at those conversion rates? What's the more meaningful metric? And how should we think about those goals? Yeah, so I don't think this isn't like, it's not algorithmic. It's not mm -hmm. like there's not some set in stone strategy. You need to kind of feel through where the holes are in your funnel. But if you're getting 10,000 ebook leads coming in, 80% uh, of those are qualifying to marketing qualified lead. And then just 10% of those marketing qualified leads are becoming sales accepted leads, meaning an SDR talks to them, qualifies them and tries to set up a meeting with, um, with an AE or only, you know, 10, five to 10% or 1% of those leads are becoming um, sales qualified leads. Um, you're, you have some holes in your funnel. So, I really think it's important for marketing and sales to get aligned on what a marketing qualified lead is. I think it's important for um, the marketing qualified lead to be a predictor, uh, right? Like be a systematic predictor of pipeline that's going to be created and, um, and future revenue that's going to come in uh, from the business. Because I think marketing should be gold on either a really good uh, marketing qualified lead metric or on a pipeline created metric, which I've been seeing more and more companies move to. And I think that's great. I think when you talk about goals, having some healthy tension in between, mm -hmm. between the marketing team and the sales team um, can really help improve the process, right? If you kind of have this handoff process where marketing comes in, they drive a lead, they toss it over the wall uh, to the sales team and they don't pay attention to what happens to the lead after the sales team gets it. It becomes really difficult for marketing to build empathy for the sales team. And they're also quite frankly, not going to care as much as they should on, the, uh, on how those leads convert down funnel. And top of funnel momentum drives down funnel conversion. And so I, I found this at Workable with Rob O'Connor, who's now on, on our team. Yeah. Um, we were paying attention to how, the how quickly the sales team followed up with leads. We paid attention to the quality of the leads that were coming through because we were gold 
on an opportunity and pipeline created uh, metric. So even though we aren't in control of when the sales team picks up the phone and calls out the leads that we pass them, uh, we're still gold on metrics that happen after that point. And so we're pushing the sale. So we pay attention to what happens to leads further down in the funnel. We're going to push the sales team to follow up quicker. We're going to get on them when they're not following up with certain leads. And so I think that creates really healthy uh, tension between the marketing and sales team. That's awesome. Yeah. So you answered a few of my questions all up, but I think that one thing that sticks out uh, is we talked about, you talked about quality um, and then you also talked about top of funnel um, as far as building momentum. Um, so there, like in your opinion, what's most important? Is it volume or is it quality? Um, or does that depend on like the stage uh, of the company? Like it's the early stage versus like you have awareness. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good question. Uh, there's a great article that I reference all the time called The Five Ways to Build a $100 Million Company uh, by Christoph Jans. If you hadn't read that yet, I would, I would take a look, but it looks at kind of different companies and their marketing and their go-to-market strategy based on the, uh, the annual contract value. Uh, for companies uh, that the companies have. So if your ACV is $10,000, um, the importance of quality versus quantity is going to be different than if you're selling a product for a million dollars a year. Um, overall, I think, especially for companies scaling up, it's really important to understand the quality of leads that you have coming in and really start with this baseline of understanding who you want to be coming in, what, like how you want them to be coming in. So what the buyer intent is and what's driving uh, their interest. Um, because once you start to figure that out, those things and understand, like get a really core kind of understanding of who your customer is, it becomes a lot easier to build out scalable strategies to go out and get more of those users. So I think quality is more important. Kind of the key there is it makes your sales team be more efficient, but it does depend a little bit on what your ACV is. If you know, you don't want to be passing small businesses, uh, small business leads to your sales team. If they're trying to sell a million dollar product and you can get away with that a little bit more when you're, when you have a lower ACV, but ultimately I think quality always prevails over quantity. And yeah, no, I think that's great. Uh, and I think that's a challenge that we face, especially on a lot of like early stage companies where they want to build um, this idea uh, of demand, right? And so you're having to justify to your executives, hey, it's not just about volume, like we need to understand uh, a little bit about our customers and, and their journey as well um, here. And, yeah, and and I think there is like, there's. I think what we sometimes miss, and I've been in this situation in-house, is you have the CEO who comes in, who's like, we're driving five or 10,000 leads a month. Yep. Um, you know, I was at a company, most of the deals we were winning were coming in through um, deals that the CEO is closing or that the... Um, uh, we're, we're getting close to the website. So e-commerce transactions. 
and we're driving a couple thousand leads a month. And the CEO is like, well, like these leads are all great. Uh, let's hire a sales team. So we scaled up the sales team really quickly. Um, so I think 10 or 15 reps. And then when all those reps came in, they didn't, they didn't like the leads. They didn't know how to sell to the leads. Um, and so I, I do think it's important, like this idea of kind of getting a lot of leads in, iterating, understanding um, which leads are the best, which ones are most likely to convert. I do think that's important. But when you focus on quantity over quality, a lot of times you tend to over hire on the sales side because you just assume they're going to be able to close leads. Yep. They're going to be able to close those deals. And really it's focusing on of these thousands of leads, which ones do we really want to be driving into the company? What's the, who are they? Why are they coming to us? Um, what are the signals of intent that they have um, becomes really important. Otherwise it can lead to scaling up the sales team too quickly. Um, and that can have some pretty bad repercussions on the momentum of the company, the culture of the company. For sure. And I think that leads kind of to like this last question, which is kind of a big one. Uh, you talked about intent, you talked about in, like inflection points. Um, and so like, in, why do you think organizations or companies should be mapping kind of the, like the buyer intent and the customer journey and understanding inflection points? And like, how does that uh, help the sales team, the marketing team overall? Yeah, so I had this experience a couple of years ago where I had a really good sales team. I probably didn't listen to them enough. I had a really good sales team that I was working with in house. They'd always come to me and they'd say, John, like, I just spoke to this company there, you know, they've just opened up an office internationally, or like they would tell me what was happening inside the, of the companies. And, um, and it would be indicators to them of what really good leads were. And yeah. it was a little frustrating for me because they always had like every week it was something new. Like we want this type of company or we want, you know, we want the company to have just gone through this or this. But overall, I think if I had been smarter, there probably would have been some like high level themes that I would have fit that into to understand like what's happening at these companies to make them want to buy our software or yep. to make them want to buy our product. Um, when I always use the example, when a SaaS company raises a series B, they're likely to be scaling up their sales team to, you know, 20 to 40 reps over the next six to 12 months. Um, so that, that's a really good signal for a lot of, a lot of sales oriented software products to kind of, you know, reach out or, you know, figure out a way to get into those uh, companies that are doing that. So I think um, getting it, I think personas were great. They, they help you understand who your customer is, what their interests are, but without the intent of understanding who the buyer is, what they're going through and what makes them need your product at this point or what the signals are that they will need your product in the near future um, gives you a deeper level of understanding of that customer. Uh, and I think ultimately that leads to better 
ideas around the type of campaigns and the different channels that you should be focusing on um, targeting these users with. So it's always been a source of create creativity for me to really understand here are the challenges they're facing, here's what they might be searching for, here's the type of content they'd want to see, here's what they need to navigate this period uh, in, in their customer lifecycle. So I think that's one. And then also just having a buyer's journey that um, provides mutual context between you, your sales team, and the rest of the marketing team um, so that you're all speaking the same language um, about your customer. You all have similar levels of education about your customer. I think that can be a, an incredibly powerful exercise uh, for companies to be doing. And it's really interesting you say that because as you're saying that, as you're talking about it, like I just depict or I, I visualize that like a buyer persona um, is almost like a static image, right? Whereas you have like intent and, and customer journeys, it's, it's evolutionary, right? So it's always changing. Um, it's almost like a live yeah. dashboard. And then so yeah. with that, like, I feel like the intent and understanding intent is a, a frequent exercise, a more frequent exercise to where a buyer's or a persona is something that typically companies do like once a year and then they build out these annual campaigns and say, nothing's yeah. changed. We're going to keep mapping the same persona. Right. It's like when the new VP of marketing comes in or the new product marketer comes in, they do it once <clears throat> and then it never gets touched again. And I do think it should be a living exercise. And and for folks listening uh, who are hearing about this buyer's journey for the first time, we break it into four categories. Um, uh, awareness, we have four columns, awareness, pain, in-market, and customer. And so those are the different stages. Awareness is people who are inside your ICP but don't know they need your product yet. Pain is people who are starting to feel the pain of not having your product, um, but don't know that they need your product yet. In market is people who are starting to search for your software, your product as it exists. And then your customer is someone who you want to upsell or extend contracts with. So figuring out how to market to those people. And then we create five rows between that. So it's kind of like a matrix. It's who the persona is at each stage of the buyer's journey, what inflection points they're facing that move them into the next step of the buyer's journey. And also like what's happening at those companies that, that may make that. So like for pain, for the pain stage, for a SaaS software company going that just raised the series B, it's lead management, figuring out how to train your sales team, figuring out how to uh, track the performance and start to forecast more accurately. Um, that would all lead them to ultimately, those are all features of a CRM, um, but they may not know they need a new CRM yet. They may be using Pipedrive and think they can just use that forever <laughs> rather than switching to HubSpot or Salesforce. Um, uh, let's see, uh, the, the offer, or the CTA that you'd want to provide them with, the potential channels that you could target them on. So Slack communities, uh, LinkedIn advertising, um, search, uh, different channels like that. 
Um, so it, it's a it's an interesting exercise to go through. Um, maybe we'll post a link below um, to kind of show how people are um, show how people are using uh, to show how we build that product out or that uh, buyer intent journey out. Um, but yeah, cool. This has been super exciting, and I hope that it's been it's added value uh, to. Uh, to the people listening uh, today, I love your perspectives. I love how you think about things. And I love just uh, kind of uh, hearing your philosophies uh, on a lot of these things. And it's something that we talk about often here uh, at CGM. Uh, and so, but I'm glad to have shared it with our listeners today. So do you have any closing thoughts, any parting words? No, no. Uh, Quincy, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for putting it together. Awesome. Thank you.